welcome to Cyst and Dismissed, a variety podcast hosted by me, Rebecca Adele. And me, Felicia Segovia. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our last episode. Um, we're excited to be back. This is our second episode, and so far, it's, everything's been going pretty good. Today, we're going to open the episode with a little joke. Flea, you got a joke? Um, yes. Don't be mad at me because it's kind of corny. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's the best thing about Switzerland? Um, what? I don't know, but the flag is a big plus. <laughs> if you don't know, the Switzerland flag has a giant plus on it, so Google it. No, I do know what the Switzerland flag looks like. And it does have a big plus. It's like red with a big white plus. I thought you would be appreciative of some like other country humor since you just got back from Iceland. Oh, very good. I do like, you ever look at like flags though, just from other countries, be like, I wonder what this flag looks like in this country. You just Google flags. I do, but not for the reason that most people would be like curious, like what their flag looks like. I Google it because like, I want to see what the weirdest flag is. And I want to know why the flag is the way their flag is. Like, the, what's the story behind it? Like, our story and ours is pretty good. Some of them are really complex. Some of them are really simple, like the Switzerland flag. Like, um, Japan. Somebody explain Japan to me. What's with the giant red dot? I don't know. I don't know anything about their flag. I think it's Japan. I could be wrong. But either way, there's a flag out there that's, like, white with a giant red dot in the middle. And I don't understand what the dot's for. If you, if somebody like showed you different flags from around the world, do you think you could identify most of them? Probably not. If we're being honest, the majority of them, probably not. Like there's like the big ones that I know, but that's kind of it. I feel like I would do a pretty good job, but you're right. There's definitely like the smaller countries I would not be able to tell you. Couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I was never good in geometry or geography. So, you know. Okay, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that joke. So today's topic, we are talking about millennials and the American dream and what that means to us. Fully, how would you, how would you define the American dream? Just like if somebody just asked you off the street. To me, the American dream is a happy married couple with max anywhere two to three kids with a nice house in a decent neighborhood, the white picket fence, the dog, good neighborhood, uh, school districts good jobs, like not living uncomfortable, living well within their means because they can, they can just be comfortable, like not having to struggle and just being genuine people and genuine, I guess, just Americans. Yeah. So according to the internet, the American dream is the belief that anyone, regardless of where they were born or what class they were born into, can attain their own version of success in a society in which upward mobility is possible for everyone. No matter where you started, you can reach the top. Is like yeah. that one song, started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. Started from the bottom, now the whole club here. You're definitely right. The, the right. image of like the white picket fence and like the kids in the car and the dog, like that all definitely plays into the idea of the American dream that they try and like the idea of what a heteronormative society is supposed to look like as well. I'm not going to lie. Growing up as a little girl, all I wanted was to be married and have kids and be a stay-at-home mom. And even to this day, like part of me still does want to be married, have kids and be a stay-at-home mom, but like, that's not all I want. I want to do other things that would bring me happiness. Yeah. Why do you think that is though from like a young age? Like, how do you think you learned that at like a young age, like even a little girl? 
if I had to be honest, I genuinely think it has to do with the cultural um, like media that was around me, i.e. like the toys and the books and the movies and the TV shows and all of that, because it was very like standard and clear cut black and white. Like there was a guy meets a girl, the guy and girl get married, have kids, like have a house, get mm. good jobs, live happily ever after. Like that was the idea and it was portrayed through everything. Yeah. No, I think you were right when it says like it's in our movies, it's in the toys they sell to us. But it's also in the neighborhood that we grew up in. Like I don't want to say exactly where, but like we grew up in an area for the most part. We grew up all over, but wherever we went, we grew up in an area where it was very like mom, dad, kids and you work your best to achieve something. Yeah, I get what you mean by like the whole like mom, dad, kids work happiness thing but like at the same time I don't think that that's in every I don't know like city or town I don't think that a lot of people see that and I think that that's why the idea of the American dream is so like convoluted nowadays versus what it was back in the 50s or whatever yeah I also think it's much it's much more like unattainable like a single person really can't buy a house by themselves but Then, then again, I don't really know if that has anything to do with the American dream or if it's just like the way society is set up for like married couples, like for two people. Well, I think that's kind of, it has to go hand in hand with each other. Like you can't have the American dream without having a stable like economy and a stable society. And if you're slipping or slacking on one side of that, like the, the other side's not ever going to be achievable. So that's kind of what I'm like saying is that because we don't have certain things that we did have years ago like the american dream is no longer attainable what did what don't we have anymore what do you mean i think the unity as a country as a nation and i think the economy stability that we had 50 60 years ago like is definitely not here nowadays like that goes because of the inflation and that also inflation comes from the economic status of where we are and where the world is and the trading and all that good stuff so i think yeah like i was saying because everything is so different now that is out of our hands that it's never going to be attainable unless we get back to the way things were but that would require going backwards which we don't want to do <laughs> we don't in certain senses i.e Roe versus wade but we do in other senses i.e gas prices well, let me clarify for a second i think it was a little confusing are you for Roe versus wade or against it the overturning of it yeah you're against the overturning of it I'm against the overturning of Roe. okay I'm just okay I just want to clarify that we're not getting into that right now but like it sounded like you were saying like go back to the oh, way no that was more back. of that was more of like let's not go back to one of those types of things but we do need to go back into like prices of those times you know oh right right yeah before everything was so expensive exactly I also just think that millennials don't really believe in the American dream like that was definitely sold to like like our parents and our grandparents but again more marketed and advertised to our parents and our grandparents and thus like secondhand passed down to us through our parents of their version of it but do you you think millennials are striving for the American dream in the same way that parents and grandparents were no no how do you think it's different I think we have more of a sense of our surroundings and we understand that it won't be a a possibility and I don't know us millennials we're we're a different type of breed if we don't like something we don't do it we're very very entitled in that way so if it's hard the work that 
our parents would have put in to achieve the American dream is not prevalent in our age group. I don't believe it is, no. I don't know if we're entitled, but I agree in that it's harder now and that like you touched on that earlier there are a lot of like external factors with you know inflation and jobs and we're on the break of like another recession practically so I don't know I think also another reason millennials don't buy it is because we're able to interact with people online more and like have a conversation and I think people are more connected and ideas between people are past the propaganda or whatever you want to call it of the marketing of the American dream trying to be sold to us gets interfered with a lot of other noise, you know? Definitely. Definitely. The amount of just like unnecessary media and content that we are flooded with on a daily basis drowns out the American dream, like idea that would have been promoted to us had we not had all of these other bullshit ads. People also like our mom, she was always like, you're going to go to college. You're going to do this. But it was never like, you're going to get married. You're going to live in a nice neighborhood. Like that was never enforced in us necessarily. But I yeah. think it's kind of like what you're saying. Like, yeah, you do want those things, but you want other things. And that's probably in some way like a self-fulfilling hobby of some sort, you know, another identity besides wife. And yeah, and image, I think- that's often what the American dream included, being a housewife and a mother. Yeah, you try telling a woman to be a housewife and a mother nowadays, and you're going to get a whole 50-50 different types of answers. But I do want to say that I am grateful for our mom and the fact that she was able to adapt to the changing surroundings of her environment and the world and how things evolved to see that being like a housewife and being a stay-at-home mom and raising kids and all that stuff wasn't ideally like what makes everybody happy. She understood that. So she never forced that like like you were saying on us, but I think she always wanted it for us in the back of our head or in the back of her head, but it wasn't a necessity in her mind. Like, I think she knew that we would find our way there eventually. Whereas like, she did want us to go to school and she did want us to get good jobs and she did want us to like continue our education and all that stuff. Like those were priorities with her. And I don't know, I don't think everyone would have had a mom like that. Even in our age group, I don't know if everybody had a mom like that. So good job. (laughs) Good job. I do think you're right. Yes. It was probably in the back of her mind. You know, it's still probably in the back of a lot of people's minds, whether or not that's by choice though, I would almost argue like it's hard to sort of get out of that way of thinking when again, it's so integrated into our media, into our toys, you know, we -hmm. look up at ads and that's what we see, whether we want to or not. I think with, we still want those things. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you said that as well, you know, it's totally fine, but I think it's just having another option is what I don't know if I would say that the American dream is unattainable. I think if I was to put like good thought into it, I would say now that the American dream is achievable, but the American dream is no longer what it used to be. Yeah. Like there's another, you got to take another, another path. path American dream. You got to take another path. You got to take like a bus and then like a plane to get there. Like it's much more, I don't know, it's harder. It's definitely harder, but it's everything's doable. If you set your mind to it at the end of the day, if you want it, go get it. I almost say though, millennials will probably be the last generation that still want the American dream. Like I think Gen Z is definitely shaking things up. Just what I see off of like the internet. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. None of this is fact. (laughs) 
Gen Z is scary, but in like the best way possible. It's like one of those, I don't know, like circus animals. You can't take it. It's very radical sometimes. Very radical, but I think with good intentions. I think everything that Gen Z does is for the better. I don't, I think that that's one of their very big things is like change for the better, change for acceptance, change for equality. Like, and I love that, but like maybe dial it down just a little bit. I don't know. That's just me. It's what I've, but yeah I say go full seam ahead (laughs) balls to the walls thank you for your thoughts (laughs) I just want to say also that this these are our opinions like you know we're not experts we're just two people out here working nine to five jobs not saying that if you don't agree with my version of the American dream that your version is wrong like no version is different and everybody is allowed to do what they want because it's your life and your body agree what would you say we move on to our next segment of this podcast? I believe that would be a fascinating idea. What do we call this segment? Ready? I remember the jingle. Caffeinated crime. One, two, three. Caffeinated crime. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. We were not in sync, but it's okay. With that being said and done, and we are in full throttle caffeinated crime mode, there's a very special topic or story that I want to talk about. And you know about it as well, because we grew up kind of close to it. And JC Lee Dugard was a 11 year old girl in the California region who grew up pretty normal, pretty American dream. I guess you could say it's very like she had her mom and a stepdad and her siblings, but something unnormal happened to JC and it kind of changed the entire trajectory of her life. A little backstory, me and my sister, Becca, we grew up in the Bay Area, very close to where JC Dugard was actually found. And I'll get into the story on why this topic is so important to me after I tell you what happened to her. Are we ready? Ready. So J.C. Lee Dugard was an 11-year-old when she was kidnapped while walking to her local school bus stop. The incident occurred in 1991. So she was 11 years old when she was taken kidnapped or when she was taken hostage. A car grabbed her on her way to school. A woman came out, grabbed her. A man threw her in the trunk and they drove off. Her stepfather saw this all happen from their door. Yeah, I remember I remember reading about the story before. It's crazy that like he saw her being taken. He said, it says in the story that when he saw her being grabbed, he ran after her and then jumped on one of the bikes that they had and mm-hmm. tried to pedal after her as fast as he could, but he ended up not being able to make it to him and he didn't see her again until 2009. That's crazy. I would like, if I was the last person, I would, I would beat my, I mean, I would beat myself up. Like, honestly, like feeling like I couldn't save her because of what I'm going to tell you next because when I read this it literally shattered me so it says JC didn't even want to go to school on June 10th of 1991 she woke up feeling queasy she considered telling her stepfather how she felt but decided against it after worrying that it might cause an argument she didn't tell her stepfather that she wasn't feeling good because she didn't want to upset him and he was the last person to see her before she disappeared for 18 years that's crazy it's insane. So apparently JC wasn't normally allowed to walk to school by herself, but because her stepfather was standing at the door that day and was watching her, he was, he had allowed her to walk 
which is the reason why he was the only one that saw her. Okay, the fear and confusion that JC experienced in those moments are unimaginable as she wrote in her book, my brain feels fuzzy. I don't understand what's happening. I want to go home. I want to crawl back into my bed. I want to play with my sister. I want my mommy. I want time to reverse itself and give me a do-over. This is what she was thinking while she was on her drive back to where they took her. So mm -hmm. I read that she was in Myers, California, which is close to Lake Tahoe. And if you're, if you know the area of California at all, Lake Tahoe is probably like what? A good four hours, five hours, maybe from the Bay Area. Um, it depends where you are in the Bay, but how far would you say it is from San, like Sacramento? Like, like three probably, hours? I want to say three hours. Yeah. Yeah, roughly. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty long drive. And this is all she was thinking while she was being driven to what would have been her prison for the next 18 years. Mm -hmm. JC was kidnapped by Nancy Garrido and Philip Garrido. Upon arriving at the Garrido home, JC was threatened with violent repercussions if she made any noise or tried to flee. Terrified, she was led into a bathroom by Philip, who locked the door and demanded that JC remove all of her clothes. She refused, so he forcefully stripped her, leaving her nothing but a little ring on her pinky finger that JC would grow to cherish as one of the only rem remaining physical memories of her life before abduction. Dang, that sounds very similar to uh, Elizabeth Smart's kidnapping in that she was taken by a man and there was also he had a wife so there was a man and a wife involved i don't know if i know that one hmm. well we'll have to cover it so over the next 18 years of jc's captivity she was like i said brutally raped and beaten and tortured and just put into unimaginable scenarios and situations and resulting in that she was actually impregnated twice by philip and gave birth in their backyard to two beautiful, healthy girls. However, those girls were also now captives as well. So as the years go on, these girls are growing up in what is their normal, and JC is doing the best she can to keep these two tiny humans alive with the spontaneous visits of, I believe she called them, or called like Philip and his wife, her aunt and uncle, or grandpa and grandpa I don't remember exactly what it was but the girls didn't know like the situation that they were in was anything but normal so that all actually came to an end on August 24th of 2009 was first of three fateful days that the world would see JC Ludegaard's captivity finally come to an end and Philip Garrido would finally be put behind bars on that day Garrido visited the FBI offices in San Francisco to share an essay documenting his thoughts on religion and sexuality. In this bizarre text, Garrido claimed that he'd solved his lifelong sexual behavior issues and wanted to offer up his solution to help other sexual deviants in the future. <laughs> what the heck? This man wrote an essay about how he planned or how he was able to fix his sexual desires, but he took his two daughters with him to go turn in this essay at UC Berkeley. Yeah, and he also had somebody locked up in his house. 18 years. That makes complete sense. <laughs> so like any normal citizen of that time, um, the people at UC Berkeley, specifically the UC Berkeley, I believe, securities, they, they knew something was up with him. They thought he was weird. They thought it was weird that he was there with two little girls. And so they contacted the police. And upon doing so, the police ran a background check on Philip and found that he was a predator, a sex offender, sex offender. And he basically has a history of sexual badness. So 
they went and raided his house. And that's when they found her and her little girls. They found JC and she was 29 and she was able to raise them and get out of that. And JC was able to return to a normal livelihood. She wrote her book. She was pretty quiet for the first couple of years afterwards, but after he came out, um, yeah, she spoke out a lot and she kind of was able to heal and her girls and her are living a great life. Whereas the uh, piece of shits that took her, yeah, they're in prison, I believe. Yeah, definitely. I think I'll they be, are. I'll be in prison. But yeah, that's the story of J.C. Lee Dugard. I remember being really crazy when the story came out and there was a lot of like media attention around her. And I think the craziest part is that she had two kids and her kids were pretty, I think they were pretty old. Like, I think they were preteens. Yeah. Teenagers. It was like, they were they were like eight or nine or something like they were pretty old and that's just the craziest part because like they the did, their entire world completely changed the part that freaked me out was learning that she was literally in the city right next to us it was very close to us and I don't know just the idea that like something like that happens in your backyard made it even creepier or even in a city that you live in like it was a normal suburban home or not home mm-hmm. it was a normal suburban town like there was nothing suspicious I mean Granted, it was lower end, but there was nothing like super suspicious. You wouldn't think twice. And luckily somebody did because he got too confident in his ability and ventured outside. And that hadn't been the first time that they ventured outside either. Like it took a couple of years and training and brainwashing. But I did read that JC was able to go to like the stores and stuff with him and go places with them at certain times. And then when the girls were born, the same thing was was done. Yeah. I mean, that just goes to show like it's right under our nose and we don't even know. And it's terrifying because it happens day in and day out. Have you ever seen the movie Room? I don't think so. No, you should watch it. It has Brie Larson in it. I don't know if it was ba- like inspired by this story or like what, but it's similar in the idea that like she was taken. She wasn't taken nearly as long, but she was taken when she was young and then she had a son and they lived in this room for like four years or something. And then they get out obviously but like it's about the aftermath mostly of being in that room and being like for him his entire world being in that room and then suddenly learning that your mom was held captive and she's dealing with a lot of the trauma that's I think that's the hardest part is like having to explain all of the aftermath to like the kids that were born in captivity like how would you explain that to your kids I guess you just tell them straight up I don't know how else you break it that one obviously you don't you leave out some of the details like the gruesome details um you tell them as much as they need to know that is that is the truth I don't know it's just it's crazy to me like I wouldn't ever want to be put in that situation and I would hope nobody would ever else be put in that situation and those who do they have a whole different type of strength in them that I don't even know how to describe so good for them it makes you never want to like go anywhere or like have your kids go anywhere Makes you never want to have kids in a generation or in a society like this. I know. But there's only so much we can do. This story does have a happy ending, I guess. You know, she lived and she escaped with her two daughters. Yeah, I would definitely say that this one is for sure dismissed. Missed. And if you've never heard of this JC Dugard story, you should Google it and read more about it because we definitely skimmed a lot of the details um she has a whole book out that's really interesting do you know what the book's called uh yes the book I actually own the book um but she has two of them I didn't read the second one the first one is called a stolen life 
The second one is called freedom. The first one will put you in tears just for trigger warning. If you have a sensitivity to it, just be careful because it does go into a little bit of detail, but it also explains it in her very emotional side of it. Yeah, I think I have read parts of that book because I definitely remember when the book came out. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cyst and Dismiss. So Flea, where can people find you? Um, you can find me, my personal account on Twitter at Fee underscore 116, or you can find our podcast Twitter at Cyst, the letter N, Dis Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca Dell underscore. And make sure to follow our Twitter and Instagram to get the latest updates about when we release episodes. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) Also, if you have any like suggestions on what you want us to talk about in our topics or a true crime story that you want us to maybe go over a little bit, feel free to email us. You can email us at cystanddismissedpodcast at yahoo.com. Thank you so much. See you next time. Bye. Bye.